Amazing, amazing, amazing. I was at Lowe's shopping just the other day. And uh, because as long as there's a Pinterest, my wife will have projects. Uh, and so uh, I was, we were shopping and I was checking out. There's a lady there that uh, me and her have connected a few times uh, because uh, in my shopping there often to build my wife's projects. Uh, she, we talked and she, she found out I was a pastor and she's a Christian and we have those conversations. And so every time I go in there, she's like, how are you? To do, how are you doing today? And I'm good. And how are you? And God's so good. And you know, we do those niceties. And, and so this particular day, it happened just the other day. I was getting ready to check out and there was a guy in front of me checking out with her. Uh, and so she saw me and I guess she just assumed she was going to just like send Jesus all over this guy too. Um, and so she was like, man, bless you today. And God, you know, God bless you, whatever. And his, his statement was this. He said, well, thank God I'm an atheist. And I was sitting back there like, I want all, break the statement down for a second, y'all. Y'all, I don't think all y'all got it yet. I was like, "Thank God, I'm an." A-. <laughs> so, so I was sitting, he's checking out, and I was just like, "Huh, ain't that something?" But then that got me thinking about like other like oxymoron and paradox type statements, right? Because that's kind of like an oxymoron, isn't it? Like, "Thank God, I'm an." Anyways, doesn't matter, right? Uh, and so I started about thinking about things that like don't make sense, very similar to that statement, right? For example. A mini cupcake. Hear me out. A mini, a cupcake is already a mini cake. So for those of you that watch The Office, you've seen the scene where Kevin, it's like, where does it stop with you people? That's just like, a, a, a cupcake is already a mini cake. Now we have a mini cupcake. It's like, this is unacceptable, right? Then I started thinking about like mini pizza bites, right? Because now they got mini bagel bites, which is a bagel is already a mini pizza. So now we have a mini bagel bite. I'm like, where does it stop with you people? Just the other day, my wife uh, went shopping to get some food for a party we were having, and she got mini pizza rolls. A pizza roll is already a mini Hot Pocket. That doesn't make any sense. Like the term jumbo shrimp. Ain't no such thing as a jumbo shrimp, okay? All shrimps are shrimpy, all right? And then lastly, but not least, the one that really gets me is a meatless burger, Brother, you got a sandwich, not a burger, okay? Don't get it twisted. But here's what I want you to chew on for a second. I'm talking about a paradox, an oxymoron, a statement that doesn't make sense. How about restful surrender? I don't know about you guys. How many of you love control? Where are my control people at? I like to be in control of my own life, my own destiny, my, my own, all my stuff, right? Where are the ones that are like, yep, yeah, could care less. I just kind of go with the flow, right? Where are you guys at? All right. You're married to us, all right, and you stress us out, okay? <laughs> You're the reason we are the way we are. No, I'm just kidding. So, but restful surrender. Because I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to rest when I feel like I'm not in control. But what I want to talk to you about today, because we're talking about choose joy. What I want to talk about today with choosing joy is if we can learn to rest in our soul, we can have joy in our spirit, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, say that word with me, rest. See, joy in your spirit is a byproduct of having rest in your soul. Joy in your spirit is a byproduct of having rest in your soul. So God wants us to be rested, and it's hard to choose joy when we're not 
rested. So God uh, has given us three areas of rest that I feel like I want to put in front of you today. So what I want to do is I want to give you three areas of rest and then three ways we can choose rest. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to give those to you today. But the, the first one that I want to give you is personal rest. The arena of personal rest. Say personal. Say rest. Turn to your neighbor and say rest. Turn to the person on the other side of you you just neglected and say rest. Personal rest. What am I talking about when I say personal rest? I'm talking about relationships. You see, God wants us to be rested in our relationships. And how do you do that is the question, right? One word, boundaries. Now, I'm going to step on a toe or two, I believe, in just a second. But what are boundaries? Well, here's what boundaries are. Boundaries are the line that you won't let others cross in regards to how they treat you. Some of you need to create lines that you're not going to let other people cross in how they treat you. Some of you don't have rest because you've been abused by too much. There's another boundary line that for some of you is probably going to be more difficult. And it's the line you won't cross trying to be something to others they haven't asked you to be. For some of us, we are exhausting ourselves. We are restless trying to be for someone else something they never asked for us to be. And hear me, if they haven't asked for you to be that, that means they're not looking to hear you when you give them help. Therefore, we get on the carousel, the merry-go-round of advice that never gets listened to. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And what, what God wants to see is if we'll rest in our relationships, if we'll create boundaries and stop crossing them, we can actually find that rest. Here's what I wrote down. Be careful giving your rest to people that don't want to be helped. They only want to be heard. How many of you have ever given advice after advice after advice after advice to someone only to find out that they never used the original advice you gave them? Is that not frustrating? Because some people don't want to be helped. They only want to be heard. And here's the thing that you have to understand. That's not a bad thing for them. It's a bad thing when you sacrifice your rest on behalf of them. Because at some point you got to go, and I can't do this today. And so we have to create boundaries. Hebrews 5.14 says this, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, particularly in Hebrews, when they wrote this, they're talking about biblical accuracy and using the Bible in a hefty way, teachings in a hefty way. But there's another term that actually derives from the term solid food where it's talking about healthy truth. Say truth. So the truth is for the mature, which means some people aren't mature enough to hear the truth, which means stop sacrificing your rest on behalf of the ones that aren't mature enough to hear the truth. Who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And some of us need to practice more often determining whether the people that we're sacrificing our rest trying to help actually want help or not. And so we have to step into that space. Why is it important? Because too many of us can't rest in God because we're too busy trying to be God for someone else. I'm going to say that again. Too Too many of us can't rest in God because we're too busy trying to be God for someone else. Especially parents, can I talk to you for a second, who have older kids, older teenagers, young adult kids? It's, stop, it's time to stop being their nanny and start being their coach. If they're leeching off to you at 28, 30, 35, 40, 
It's time to change some things. I'm not talking about just letting them live at your house. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ones that won't work. Don't pay no bills. You still pay their credit card. You need to change the game on that, friend. Because many of you parents are also the ones staying awake at night trying to figure out how you're going to supply this lifestyle that they're not earning. That was free. That's not even my notes. I just feel like some of y'all need to have it. Okay, so next. But some of you say, I don't feel good about drawing boundaries. Like, I don't, I don't feel good about that. Well, guess what, guys? Choices lead and feelings follow. And some of you are going to have to choose to draw healthy boundaries before you feel like doing it. So choices lead, say it with me, choices lead, feelings follow. We're going to do that a couple more times before we leave today. Number two is provisional rest. Provisional rest. And what I'm talking about with provisional rest, I'm talking about financial rest. Some of you are, some of you have not slept well for weeks or months because you're terrified of what your finances are going to look like. You don't know how you're going to provide. You don't know how you're going to do that. So how do we find provisional rest? Short answer, living a lifestyle of tithing and generosity. Now, we're not a church that constantly harps about money here. We, maybe five times a year does it come up. But here's the reason that we're bringing it up today as one of those five. Here's the reason we're bringing it up for you today. It's because when we're talking about rest, many of us can't rest because we're terrified about what our financial future looks like. We lack rest, therefore we lack joy because we're terrified about what we can't rest about, which is our money. And what I want you to understand today is tithing literally means the first tenth. Okay, so we're talking about tithing. It's the first tenth of what you've earned, what you produce. And I had someone sit in my office two weeks ago. We were talking about this, and I was talking about tithing and what it means and why it's important because you're not giving to me. I don't get anything when you tithe, okay? Like the church is a conduit for God's mission on the earth, and we give to the church. So the Malachi 3 says there will be food in my house that we as a church can operate. And so we're giving to God. We give it through the church so that the mission of the church, which is sent by God, can be carried out. But he says, why do we need to do that? Well, when we come to God, and, and one of my friends said, well, why do, we, like, why do I need to do that? In the Old Testament, they gave crops. Why don't I just give crops? I said, you got a garden you're selling stuff out of? And he was like, well, no. I was like, then you don't have any crops. So just for helpful, to, for some of you that may have asked this question in the past, they gave their crops because they grew crops and used that as a bartering tool to buy other things. So it's not about the crop, it's about what you produce. When you work, you produce a paycheck, I'm assuming. If not, you need to find a new place to work at, okay? But, like, so, but you produce. So when you're producing, God says, I want you to bring a portion of that to me. Here's why, though. See, far too often we just stop there. But there's more to it than just bringing it to God. Leviticus 27.30 says this, a tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, is the Lord's, and it is holy. Malachi 3 says this, we'll go there. And I know this is, I want you guys to understand, today is going to be a very nuts and bolts, practical message, but here's what I want you to know. If you'll take what I give you today and apply it, you'll find rest for decades to come. So he, it says this in Malachi, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my house. What he's talking about when he says my house, the house, the church, my house. If you do, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. I don't know about you guys. I'm signing up for that one. Put my name on that list, God. Try it. Let me prove it to you. The only place in the Bible where God says, no, 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 try it. Try me. 
He's essentially saying, test me and see if it's not true. Your crops will be large, for I will guard them from insects and plagues. Your grapes won't shrivel away before they ripen, says the Lord God Almighty. And what is he talking about right there? He's saying, your crops will be large, your, the grapes will shrivel. In other words, what he's saying is there's already an active devourer trying to steal the fruit off the vine that you're growing in your life. Have any of you ever woke up and you felt like how many, that it, when it rains, it pours? Like you went through six months, like finances were good, earning was good, and then all of a sudden in one week, it's like the car breaks down, the van breaks down, the air conditioner goes out, a hurricane hits, right? So it's like, uh, excuse me, God, right? And what God is saying is, though there's an enemy actively trying to steal from you what you're earning, he said, I'm going to curse the enemy that's trying to steal from you. I'll put a stop to his plans that are the plans to try to stop you. So God says, I'm going to come in and do that. And he keeps going, and all the nations will be called blessed, or will call you blessed, for you will be a land sparkling with, say that word with me, happiness. These are the promises of the Lord God Almighty. Happiness. What is happiness a word? What's a word close to the word happiness? Joy. So he's saying, if you'll step into this space, you'll experience happiness and joy. And so why is it important? Well, here's what I want you to know. When we're giving to God what's his, you see, as believers, everything we have belongs to God. Everything we have. My house belongs to God. My car belongs to God. Bank account belongs to God. Everything we have belongs to God. What he's saying is, what you have, I've let you borrow. And he says, but I want a small portion of that back. And if you'll give it to me, I'll give back to you in a greater measure than what you had before you gave to me. Now, that's a hard thing to gather because it takes faith. But hear me, and I want you to lean into this. If you're trusting God for your eternity, don't you think you should trust him with your temporary too? I wrote this down in your notes. Returning to God what's his means you're resting in his provisions more than your own. So here's why we don't tithe. And in the, in the past I have been guilty of believing this myself. And luckily I had a father that was like, trust him, trust him, trust him. And I did, and he comes through every time. But the moments that I quit tithing were the, the seasons of my life where I felt like I was better in control than he was. Where I felt like I needed to earn more rather than trust him to bless me with more. And so what happens is we come to God, and I want you to grab a hold of this. It's not ours. I just want you to say that right now. Say it's not ours. Whatever you have, it's not ours. So he's asking you to return that. And then someone comes to me and they says, well, is, but tithing is an Old Testament principle. We don't tithe uh, under the New Testament. And I go, well, false. Because Matthew 23, 23 says, Jesus is talking. He says, you should tithe. Yes. You should just be doing the other things too the more important things. And right there, he's talking to church leaders and he's saying, you should tithe. Yes, you should keep doing that. That doesn't mean you have permission to be bitter or a jerk or act a fool out there either. You need to do that and the important things, all right? But I don't know about you guys. How many of you have ever been in a position where you're like, I just don't feel like I can tithe? Guess what? Choices lead, feelings follow. Say it again. Choices lead, feelings follow. So here's what I'll encourage you with. Because a lot of times when we hear this preached, it becomes a guilt thing. And I'm not going to do that to you. 
There's a blessing of God available to you, and I want you to have it. You're not doing this for me. You're not doing this for our church. I want you doing this for you. So here's what I'll tell you. This isn't one of those things where we go, shame on you for not doing this. I'll even tell you this, the 10% thing, because it all belongs to God now, I want you to pray about what number God would tell you to give, and you give that. So if, if it comes out to 2.5% or 4%, whatever, that doesn't matter. It makes no difference to me. You pray about what God would have you give and start giving that. And as he shows himself faithful to give you more, you can trust him with more. And so I want to encourage you today. Why? You'll find rest in your finances when you find rest in the one that's responsible for your finances. Which brings us to number three, which is productive rest. Productive rest. And in that, we're talking about work. So how do I find productive rest? rest while honoring the Sabbath. Again, I'm telling you, this is practical stuff, but if you'll grab a hold of it, it will help create great truth for you. What is a Sabbath? It's a time of rest. Now, I went to Israel a few years back, um, and they still obviously practice the Sabbath there, Uh, and so uh, when when we were there, they like, you don't do anything from sundown on Friday all the way till sundown on Saturday. You don't do anything. I'm talking about anything. Say anything, anything. So much so that I got to the hotel where I was staying and I needed to go to the uh, 11th floor, right? And so I went to get in the elevator and you can't even push the buttons in the elevator. There's an even elevator and an odd elevator and it stops at every floor, one, three, five, seven, nine, two, four, six, eight, ten. It just stops at every floor. So you get on and you just got to wait till you get to your floor and get off because they don't even want you working to push the button. Do you know how mad I would be if I was on floor 39? Like just sitting in the elevator like, oh my gosh, it's taking forever, right? But, but here's the thing. There's a season of rest that God wants you to experience. And here's why it is important, right? God made the whole world in six days and he took the seventh day off and rested. And God is saying, if you want to work hard for six days, go for it. But he, he wants you to give one season, one time. If you, it could even be a 24-hour day. I'm not, I'm not saying that the law demands that. What I'm saying is you need to give a portion of your time set aside to God, and here's the reason why. Because when you give God the timing that is his, you're showing God you need him more than you need more work. For those of you that own businesses, for those of you that need customers, for those in those spaces, when you're trusting God, you're saying, God, I need your blessing more than I need customers. And some of you have really put yourself in this place where it's like, what am I going to do? I got to find more work. I got to find more jobs. I got to find more customers. I got to find this because if I don't, next month, we're not going to have any jobs. And how am I going to pay for this? And how am I going to pay for our house and our bills? And we're going to, and I don't know how we're going to do this. And you're unrested because you think it's up to you to make sure that you have enough. And I'm here to tell you that God is saying, if you'll trust me with a portion of your time, I'll make sure that you have all you need with all of your time. And so God is saying, trust me with this space and I'll make sure you have plenty of this space. But here's the beauty. When we're resting in this space, then we're completely at rest in the rest of the space. When we're trusting God to be our everything, then he's providing for us all that we need. Because hear me, producing isn't up to you. It's up to God. Because the Sabbath is about sufficiency. And here's the question I have for you, and I want you to reflect on it. Is God enough? 
Is God enough? Is he enough to give you all that you need? Is he enough to provide resources for you to take care of your family? Is he enough to lead you and guide you? Is he enough to take care of you financially? Is he enough to give you what you need to produce? Is he enough? Because if the answer is yes, we should be resting more in who he is and less in what we do. So the question is, is he enough? So there's three things that we want you to remember about rest. So there's the three areas of rest, right? Personal, provisional, right? (laughs) And then productive. I want to make sure I got them all right. Three piece, right? Personal, provisional, productive. So here's the three things that I want you to remember about rest. Number one, give these to you quickly. Rest is a refreshing position. Rest is a refreshing position position. Too many of us aren't rested because we're not refreshing. Acts 3, 19 says this, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out that times of, say that word with me, refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How many guys know that life gets busy? Where are my busy life people at? Raise your hands, right? Right. How many, where are my people that just work? You just, you're working. Five of us. What do the rest of you do with your, okay, like, right? Say work. Say work, work. Say work, work, work. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. But, like, so, but we are in this space where we're constantly working. But let me ask you the question. How many, when's the last time you took time for refreshing? When's the last time you weren't so concerned about you having to be everything for you that you rested in God and him being everything for you? Because God wants us to rest in refreshing. And in Acts 3, what we're talking there, he says, repent therefore and turn again. And this is Peter's talking and he's in the temple. And what he's saying is these are leaders that once knew something, but they quit practicing it. And I don't know about you, but I'm in a season of my life right now. And 2020 has been one of those years where I used to be practicing some things that were keeping me healthy spiritually or emotionally. And I've kind of gotten away from them. And hear me, God is telling us, hey, turn back again to the things that were working. Turn back again to the healthy places. Turn back again to the things that were keeping you good. Turn back again to relationships that have healthy boundaries. Turn back again to tithing and having a generous life. And I'll take care of you financially more than you can take care of you financially. Turn back again to honoring me with a portion of time each week where you and I get to rest, where I get to help refresh you. And I'll make sure you have more in six days than you could have produced in seven. Come back again to where I'm at and you'll be refreshed. And not about you, but sometimes we need to hear that turn back again thing. And so he says, come back again. Jeremiah 31, 25 says, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. John Piper puts it like this. God is more glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When he is all that we need, we are living in a place of refreshment and insatisfied. We are so satisfied in God. So rest is about refreshing, but rest is also an active pursuit. So we're pursuing God. We have to find ourselves in this place of pursuing God, pursuing the things of God. And many of you know the story of the widow of Zarephath in the, in the Bible 
where God sends the prophet Elijah. So he sends it to the widow of Zarephath. And what happens? He says, when you get there, this widow will supply you with everything that you need. She's got you. You're going to be taken care of. He gets there and this is her words to him. All right. She says, all I have is a little bit of meal and oil. I'm going to bake a loaf of bread and me and my son are going to die. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'd have had some questions. I'm like, uh, God, I know I heard you, right? Like that wasn't the hummus. Like my indigestion wasn't all. Like you really sent me here. But here's what Elijah says to the widow, and I want some of you to lean into this. He tells her, I tell you what, take that loaf you're about to break, uh, bake, and instead of eating it, give it to me. And if you'll give it to me, because God sent me here, if you'll give it to me, I'll make sure that your meal never runs out and that your oil never runs dry. And so she takes what she had. She bakes it. She gives it to him. And the Bible says that her barrel never went empty and her oil never ran dry. And for some of you, you're trying to make your barrel stay full. You're trying to keep your oil constantly full. And every time you turn around, it's like something is robbing it from you. And God's saying, listen, if you'll put it where it belongs, I'll make sure that I give back to you. So you see, God wants to be our source. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this. The full verse says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, say that word with me again, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hear me today. Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. But I do want you to hear what he's saying. Because a yoke is actually a tool. So a yoke is a tool that they would put on some oxen and they would plow up ground with it. And what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 no. there's still a yoke. And it still means you're going to have to be active. It still means you're going to have to keep moving. It still means that there's work to be done. But how would you like to work with rest? How would you like to work with a lighter yoke? How would you like to still be working, still doing all the things that you need to do? But as you're doing that, I'm providing supernaturally for you. I'm magnifying your blessing. I'm pouring out on your life more than what you've ever earned. He says, my yoke, it's easy and my burden is light. You can work the same amount, but have an abundance of blessing that I want to pour out over your life. Why? Because you're finding rest in the pursuit of me. God's saying, what if you took all of what you're putting into trying to earn in the world and you put that into trying to be close to me and watch me show you that I'll give you all the things of the world that you need. Man, God's good in doing that. The reality is when we think of rest, a lot of us just think of like chilling on the couch, don't we? Like PJs for three days. Maybe not the same ones. That's gross, right? Maybe not. I don't know how you roll. No judgment in your house. Okay, whatever. So a lot of us think of just like chilling by a pool. But hear me, rest is not inactivity. Rest is a place of your soul. See, in your notes, I said, we all think joy is found in the sitting, but it's actually found in the searching. And then lastly, rest is a byproduct of obedience. Rest is a byproduct of obedience. And, and uh, I remember the story of Jonah in the Bible. If you know the story, if you remember it, God says, Jonah, I want you to go to this city. And Jonah's like, nope. Listen, you've got to have some courage to tell God no. 
slash stupidity, but whatever. Like, so he's, he's, he says, Jonah, you're going to the city. You're going you're gonna to reach them. You're going to talk to these. Like, Jonah's like, nah, not doing that. And God's like, no, 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 you're going to go. Jonah's like, nope. Any of y'all ever been there before? I want you to do this. You're sitting there like, nope, that wasn't God. Right? So uh, he's like, Jonah, I want you to do this. So Jonah's like, nope. Not only does he not do it, he gets in the boat to go the opposite direction. So God sends a storm onto the ocean. And like, so the seas are going crazy. And Jonah's like, so what happens? The people on the boat are like, we're all going to die. And Jonah's like, all right, fellas, I didn't tell you all the whole truth when I got on here. He's like, so God actually called me to go somewhere. I said, no. So the storm is hitting because he wants to redirect me. So we're all going to die if I stay on the boat. And so they were like, oh no, like we can't throw you overboard. We'll just ride out the storm together. <laughs> just kidding. That's not how that went. They're like, all right, brother, you gotta go. All right, so they just threw him overboard. <laughs> and so he's in the water, gets swallowed by a fish, spends three days in the belly of a fish. And then it throws him up right there on the shores of the place that God was taking him. Mind you, keep in mind, when God wants you to go somewhere, you can go there or he can take you there, but you'll usually get there. So God steps in, Jonah gets there. But how many of you guys just know the whole time Jonah was running from the calling, he was miserable. Like there was no joyous moment in his departure from the purpose and plan of God. Because there is rest in our obedience to the purpose and plan that God has for us. And for many of us, we keep running from the thing God sent us to not sure as to why we don't have joy and rest while we're running from it. And God's trying to tell some of us, come back to the place that I had you. Come back to the purpose that I called you for. Come back to the plan that I put inside of you. Maybe it was a year ago, pre-COVID. Maybe it was a decade ago. God said, I put something in you and I'm not done with it yet. And you may have gone all the way. You may have gone on the boat. You may have ended up in the belly of a fish. You may have ended up in prison. You may have ended up doing drugs on the streets. You may have ended up God knows where, but hear me, you haven't disqualified yourself from the plan of God yet. And he's saying, if you'll track down the plan, the purpose, if you'll find rest in the obedience, you can find joy in your spirit. So we come back to that place Proverbs 3, 7 through 8 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshing to your bones. God said, I'm calling you to this. Why? Because for many of us, we keep chasing. We're chasing. We're chasing after what we want. But joy is not found in acquiring your desires. It is found in aligning them. You see, joy has never been about getting all the things you want. Joy is about aligning all the things you want to all the things God wants. And so we come to God. He says this, John 14, 15, as we get ready to wrap up today. How do we do that? How do we keep all the things that God wants for us? John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you'll love me, you'll keep all my commandments. Now in the church, this has historically been preached in the fashion of, hey, listen, if you love me, you'll follow all the rules. That means we gotta get some good church attendance going, right? I can't cuss at nobody no more, especially in traffic or someone brings home many pizza rolls, right? So 
I can't, I can't, I can't do these things. I'm not going to do these things. I'm not going to do these things. I'm not going to do these things. So I got to, if I, if I can keep all the laws, I'll show God how much I love him. And God is saying, no, 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 you're missing the point here. He said, you're reading it wrong. He said, if you'll just love me, you'll keep all the commandments. He said, if if you'll find rest in me, if you'll find joy in being close to me, if you'll find a connection to me, if you'll be in my presence, if you'll be refreshed in where I'm at, if you'll have a pursuit after me, then you'll keep my commandments. I'm not worried about you trying to find the courage to keep my commandments. I'm wondering if you'll just love me more. Because if you'll find love in me, then I'll make sure you find all that you need. So God shows up to us and and this last paragraph is, uh, this last quote on your screen is what I wanna leave you with today. Restlessness is the misty fog that disrupts our peace and casts a shadow over the eyes of our soul, disrupting our ability to see God and experience true joy. It is restlessness that disrupts our joy. So let's find rest again because God is all that we need. Choose rest today because there's joy in the sufficiency of Jesus. Church, look at me. He's enough today. He's enough to provide all that you need. He's enough to provide all that you're working for. He's enough to take care of you. He's enough to carry you. And for those of you that are lacking rest, you're lacking joy, go to the place that God is at and watch him bring rest and joy back into your soul because he's our source and he's got you. Let's pray today. God, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you are so close to us, that you keep us and you hold us and you guide us. We thank you that we can find rest in you. God, we thank you for the quiet moments, God, where you are all that we need. So Father, I pray for every person that's in here today that they would find genuine rest in who you are. You're so good. Father, I pray that our soul would be put at rest. Our spirit would be rested. God, I pray that we would find personal rest, provisional rest, God, productive rest. God, for those of us that are going to take a step beginning today and say, all right, God, I I don't feel like I can do this, but I'm going to trust you, God. I pray that you show that you, Father, are going to bless them with a blessing they cannot contain, whether it's financially, God, or whether it's time for production, God, or, or whether it's even relational rest. God, I pray that you show up and you encourage their hearts in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and your eyes closed today, if you're here today, you need spiritual rest. You need Jesus to bring rest to the life that is far from him. Maybe you know about God, but you know that your life isn't currently right with God and you need a fresh start, a new beginning. And you're ready to say, Brad, I just, I want Jesus to step in my life, wipe away my sins and give me a fresh start. Today, if that's you, I wanna pray with you today. And I want to lead you in this prayer. This prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer puts words to the actions of your heart that says, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I'm believing in you that when you died on the cross, you paid for my sins. And if you pray this prayer and you mean it in your heart, you're believing in faith, you're saved today. But we want to put words to our actions and declare this today. And the whole church is going to pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. So let's pray, church. Say, dear Jesus. 
forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, one time, can we give it up for all those that prayed that today? And we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.